Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's the goal of the Res Talk podcast to communicate lake breaking news and information from a variety of sources in the residential energy services community in our network. Now, whether you're a housing consumer, raider, builder, realtor, or appraiser, especially today's episode should interest you, realtors and appraisers, you want to hear about some of these evolving trends. So today we'll be talking with Sandra Adamatis. She's with Adamatis Appraisal Service. She'll be talking about valuing the high-performance features, things that appraisers, realtors, and of course consumers should value, things that will create a healthier, safer, and less costly home through energy-efficient measures, some of those measures which involved a HERS rating or home energy rating. So let's listen in and see what Sandy has to say. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years and been interfacing with the team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. If you like what you heard today, and you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk, R-E-S-T-A-L-K, into the search bar in your podcast app. That way you'll get all the fresh episodes as soon as they launch. So let's listen in as Sandy teaches us a few things about valuing energy-efficient homes. What brings you here today? Why are you involved with ResNet and home energy efficiency ratings, energy ratings? Why does this all come together and intersect at this point? As a real estate appraiser, And an appraiser who once worked for a builder, I understood a lot about building codes and about uh, the way houses were built. And it wasn't until in 2008 that I ran across my first HERS certificate, and I had no clue what it was. And it really intrigued me to learn that you can actually measure the efficiency of a structure other than looking at utility bills, which really tells you more about the occupant's behavior than it does about the structure itself. So I started digging into learning more about this HERS rating and does it apply to the appraisal process? And if so, how do we implement it? And how do we educate all the players in the market? So once I dove into that, I had a lot of great people that came along beside me and taught me a lot about building science that I was so lacking in knowledge about. And that just really started me on this trail as a local HERS raider introduced me to ResNet. And I was invited to speak at a ResNet conference. And I think that was probably in 2009 or 2010. And that really started my journey and learning more about this and deciding that if you can build a house that is more energy efficient, and healthier for the occupant, and it costs them less per month. By Georgie, it should be worth something. And (laughs) I need to figure out what that worth is, or how do we figure out what that worth is? You had to learn something about building science. You mentioned that. Is that part of what an appraiser learns, so their journey, their qualifications? Maybe you could cover kind of how does an appraiser get qualified? How do they get to that point where they're doing that kind of work? That's an excellent question, and one that you'll probably be surprised 
of the answer, there's a set number of hours that an appraiser has to take before they can even become what we call a trainee. That's where you start out as a trainee. And you have to have a, a college degree, and then you have to take a set number of hours in real estate appraising, usually principles, procedures, sales comparison, cost analysis, and appraisal standards class. And then you have to work under another appraiser who is certified. It can be certified residential or certified general. So that means somebody who's been in the business for a while and has had that certification. And finding somebody to work under for two years is a challenge in many markets. But you have to work under somebody, they have to sign all your work. And then once you meet that two years or the number of hours of experience, you can set for a state exam. Now, those state exams are monitored by appraisal qualification boards. It's a national standard exam that they have to take. So the appraiser takes the exam if they pass it and they have all their hours and everything in, then they can apply for certification, either residential or commercial, depending on which venue they choose. In those hours of education that we're mandated to take, there's no requirement for building science. And that's where some appraisers have a real heads up because many of our appraisers worked for builders, some through college, some through high school, worked out in the field. So they knew a little bit more about building science. I worked for a builder, but not out in the field. I was in the office working. Uh, I did look at blueprints, and that's what got me intrigued into appraising is I just love looking at blueprints, talking with potential buyers, and what were they wanting in houses, and what does it cost, and how long does it take to build it? That's what moved me from sales into the appraisal world. So with that, I realized once we got into this HERS rating that things are really different than they were 35 years ago in the building department. We didn't have HERS ratings. We didn't have any way to measure the efficiency of a structure. And I always was taught that buildings have to breathe and that you just go by the insulation and the walls and the ceiling. So everybody knows that the higher the R rating on insulation, well, that should be a better energy efficient home. But we're learning today a lot of different things about the way that homes are built and about the tightness of the envelope and that homes don't breathe. They need air exchange. People inside them breathe. That's the real missing link for appraisers and for real estate agents. And here is the frightening part. The real estate agent is the one who is actually expected to go out there and market these homes and sell the benefit of the home. And they are not required to take building science. So you have folks that are selling these houses. They don't even know what a Hirsch rating is or a home energy score or any of the other ratings that are out there. And so when a buyer asks, what does that mean? A lot of them will say, oh, it's just some building rating. You'll have to ask somebody else about that. How can you sell it for more if you don't understand the benefits of that rating to the borrower? Now, that's not all real estate agents. And there is a designation with realtors known as the NAR Green. So those realtors have been through courses that focus on energy efficiency and green features. So they have a heads up on how to market better and how to explain these benefits. But that's a small percentage of the million two realtors out there. How many uh, realtors are there out there? About a million two. Okay, a million two, wow. Now those are commercial and residential. And then NAR Green, that's the National Association of Realtors? Yes, that's the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. And there's a green focus and green features education or certificate, or is it something that's part of it or something required or optional? It's optional. 
And so if you take that course and get the certificate, I actually took it because I hold a realtor license as well as an appraiser license. And I don't sell houses, but in order to have access to the multiple list, I have to be a realtor and pay the same dues and pay for the MLS just like anyone else. But it also has given me a platform to help train realtors on what some of these things mean as far as her scores and what the efficiency of a home, the rating means, and how to find data resources to help them explain it to a borrower. And we found in Virginia, when we did a study for uh, Pearl uh, National Home Certification last year, that the realtors that really uh, marketed the energy efficiency and they used the Appraisal Institute's Residential Green and Energy Efficient Addendum attached it to the multiple list. And in their comments, the first two lines, they identified that this is an energy efficient home that costs you less per month, has a healthier indoor air quality, and is more comfortable than a code built. We found those homes sold at higher sales price premiums. So again, this is, there were two studies done last year, and both of those studies came to the same conclusion. Marketing has a huge impact on the sales price. I think we could all understand that. If you don't understand what you're buying, why would you pay more for it? So right. <laughs> that moves into the people who have a high-performance home or are building them need to be sure their sales folks understand what they're building and how to articulate that to a borrower. Because then that flows over into the valuation side. For instance, I'm looking at comparable sales in the multiple list, and I'm trying to search them to find out how many sales have HERS ratings on them. Maybe I'm appraising one that has a HERS rating of 20, which is a very low HERS rating means it's a very energy efficient home. Well, I look at that MLS and in my MLS, you'll find very few people that will even input the HERS rating in the MLS. So then I have to go to ResNets. Fortunately, the Appraisal Institute members have access to an appraisal portal through ResNet. And I can go there and search by address to see if any of my sales have a HERS rating. And I can find out what the HERS rating is and what the energy savings are. So that gives me a real heads up because I am a member of the Institute and have access to that database. Is that a new thing, the access to the HERS database for the appraisers? It is. It was announced earlier this year. It was opened up to our appraisers in the spring this year. It was a collaboration between the Appraisal Institute and ResNet. So I give kudos to Steve Baden and to our leadership at the Appraisal Institute, Jim Amarin and Bill Garber and Stephen Wagner and all those folks that were involved in making that happen. I think I heard a story, it may have even been from you, that at one point someone felt that they didn't have a HERS rating, so they put a zero in for the HERS score. Yes. You heard that story? <laughs> yeah, you heard that from me. I think I did hear that from you. Yeah, actually I was doing a presentation and I decided, well, I'll see how many HERS ratings in my county are between zero and 40. And I did a search and I came up with 400 sales in a year. And I was like, good Lord, I've just been traveling way too much. So I, <laughs> the first one I pulled up was a 1959, needs a little TLC, meaning tender loving care, with a HERS rating of zero. And from the picture, you could tell this house was probably not even livable. So I called up the agent and said, why did you put a zero HERS rating in here? And she goes, well, I didn't know what that meant, so I put zero. <laughs> so there's a real lack of understanding out there, which could even lead to liability lawsuits for agents and for appraisers. It's misinformation. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it sounds like you want to get on top of the mountaintops and scream this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing along those lines? Uh, it sounds like it's something that's building up inside you and you want everyone to know. How are you engaged in communicating this to? And it seems like consumers as well as realtors as well as appraisers need to know all this. Yes, and I've written a lot of articles. I have a website that has a resource tab that, as much as possible, I try to add new information that would be informative to the public as well as to uh, appraisers and realtors, anybody in the real estate industry that will listen to me. And I have to say, builders are just as bad at this. They cry about not getting the value they need on the appraisal for the home they build. But a lot of it goes back to they don't even know how to articulate that or what documents we need. The only reason I ran into hers rating is I started questioning a builder about, well, how do I know what's behind your walls? You're telling me all this stuff about your house, and yet I have no way to prove it. And she pulled out a hers rating, and I said, what's that? I said, did you give this to the first appraiser? Because I was the second one out. And she said, well, why would they need it? My platform has been the first four years of me getting really involved in this and getting into the national scene of who's involved in all this. I had no idea as an appraiser, and I've been on national committees for the Appraisal Institute since the 1980s, but I never heard anything about these energy organizations or raters or green certification organizations. But when I started down this trail of learning about a ResNet, and went to that first conference, it opened me up to a world of people that are involved in the energy efficiency side of building today and of green features and how it affects our health. So the first four years I was involved in it, I started getting people calling me, asking me to come speak at public venues or at a realtor meeting or at a national conference. And every time it was when I would say, okay, so can you pay for my travel costs? They would go, oh, we don't pay anything. First four years, I lost 40% of my income annually by doing a lot of volunteer stuff. And my husband finally said to me, my husband's an appraiser also, he said, either you make money at this or you get out of it because we can't keep losing income. So I got kind of hard-nosed and said, I'm going to have to start getting paid for this. So fortunately, the Appraisal Institute has been really good about helping me with some of the travel costs. They don't pay for my time, but other people like ResNet and a variety of different organizations, even some State Department of Energy people have funded me to help me get the word out to write articles for them or to write classes or whatever. So it started to pay off. That wasn't my main goal is to make big money. And I don't make big money, but at least I need to be compensated for my time. But my goal is I would love to see everybody live in a home that costs them less and that's healthier for them. That's my passion about all this. And I have seen in my years of appraising too many elderly and too many first-time homebuyers that could afford the mortgage, but they couldn't afford the house payment. I mean, the utility payment. And I've seen children with asthma living in homes that are just increasing the cost for that child's asthma and their health is suffering because of it. That's where my passion lies. I was reviewing your bio you had sent to me before our call here. And you mentioned that you are a lead green associate as well as an NAR green designee. Tell me a little bit about those two characteristics or qualifications. What's involved there? 
you notice I'm designated with the Appraisal Institute as an SRI. That means I've specialized in residential courses and passed all the exams and met the hours and all that good stuff. And something like a thesis, it's called a demonstration report. Well, when I started on this venue of energy efficiency and training others, that day with the builder, when I saw that her score, I said, I've been teaching appraisals for 15 years at that time, and I've never heard of this. I bet you my peers have not either. Would you help me write a course? And that's what started me on this venue. So then I went home and I started looking up online classes I could take on green features and energy efficiency. Because that first house that where the builder introduced me to the HERS also introduced me to a green score, which I'd never seen before. So I found LEAD, and LEAD stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And they have a category called LEAD Green Associate. Well, you could take some classes online or you could take them in the classroom and then take a I think it was a four-hour exam, if I remember correctly. I had to go to a Pearson group and take the exam. And it was like a $200 just to take the exam. So you wanted to pass it the first time around. Well, by the time I got my green associate, I had already studied a lot on my own and been to some green one-hour sessions at some of the conferences. So I decided, well, I could study on my own and take that exam and challenge the exam. So that's what I did. I studied on my own 40 days every night. My husband would see me for two hours every night studying about ASHRAE codes and about green and about building science. So I went in and passed that exam the first time. The reason I wanted that lead green associate is it gave me some credibility for me to go out in the market and say, I'm not just an appraiser. I'm an appraiser who has gone the step above. I've learned more about building science. I've learned more about green features. And I've gotten this designation through the United States Green Building Council. And you have to take CE credits every two years to keep that league green associate current. From there, then, NAR, National Association of Realtors, has the NAR green designation. So I thought, I'm speaking to realtors a lot. I probably ought to get their designation so I can understand what are they taught in their classes and where might I fit in in helping them better understand the green side. I got the NAR Green last year, and it has been a real platform for me to interact with the realtors. They have a special Facebook group for NAR Green designees, and every day you'll see a realtor post, well, how do I do this, or this is what happened to me, and sometimes I can chime in and give them resources or say, here's how you handle it with the appraiser, or here's what you should have said to the lender, or things like that. So it's a back and forth. I learn from them, and they learn from me, hopefully. What area of the country do you live in? You have a a national view of things, but where do you live right now? I live in southwest Florida. I'm just north of Fort Myers in a small town called Punta Gorda. It's in Charlotte County. It's south of Sarasota. So we're on the Gulf side, and we're subject to hurricanes. We've had several of them here. 2004 was our worst, where many homes were destroyed. Sustainability and the environment is important. We have two large developments, one called Babcock Ranch, which is 100% solar-powered community that's thousands and thousands of acres. It's fairly new. And then we have another one that's been around for quite a while called Lakewood Ranch. And everything in there is certified green. So those two big developments are right in my community. And it just saddens me that when I see advertisements on them, they don't advertise the green features or sustainability. Are there any areas of the country where you see sparks of hope, if you will, that things are coming more together because of some regional influence, perhaps? 
Well, I've been to Vermont quite a few times. Vermont's very progressive in their energy efficiency and green side of housing, but they're not a large state, so they don't have a large housing inventory, and a lot of their homes are very old. But we do see them being very interested in doing retrofits and upgrades, and when they build new, they're building more energy-efficient homes and zero-energy homes. They've started to replace a lot of their mobile homes, the old manufactured homes that are on wheels, with homes that are modular or panelized. And they have energy ratings that are 20 or less. And some of them put solar on and end up with a zero energy ready home. I've been surprised. I've been out to California several times, all the times. I guess I've been in Southern California where I've done some studies, and it amazes me that with all the green out there, you still have a real lack of knowledge of the benefits of it. Multiple list is really no different than I see here in Southwest Florida. There's a lot of green homes out there, a lot of people that care about the environment, but it's just not advertised the way it should be, and the appraisers are still lagging behind knowledge about it, just like they are everywhere else. In Arizona, Phoenix area, you see a lot of energy efficient homes, Energy Star homes, green certified homes, retrofit homes. They're very progressive in their MLS. Probably a pretty good place to look at how some of the realtors are handling their green certified homes. But you have a small number of them that are really good at that. Massachusetts, Craig Foley is a real champion in that market. Massachusetts has a lot of green new condos being built, zero energy homes, and Craig is out there every day trying to educate realtors on how to advertise them, how to market them, how to explain the benefits. So we have a lot of those markets out there, but they're small. I can't tell you one place where the whole state is really into it. It's usually pockets in several states. In North Carolina, we see homes being built that are more energy efficient, that are green certified, and yet a real lack of knowledge from the real estate community as a whole. You mentioned earlier your website has a resource tab. Do you want to tell me what that website is? It's adamatisappraisalservice.com. It's all together, adamatisappraisalservice.com. If you Google my name, it'll probably show up. And on that website, I don't send out spam, and I don't have advertisers on it. So it's basically an information resource for my clients as well as for just the general public. You can click on the resource tab and see some of the studies I've done. You can see resources that I've put together and places I'll be speaking. Sometimes I'll post those on there on my website. So that really has been my real draw for clients. I'll say, how did you get my name? Because I don't advertise in Yellow Pages anymore because nobody reads them. And invariably, they'll say, well, either word of mouth or I look at your website and I was impressed with all the information you provide. We get a variety of people listening to ResTalk, this podcast, and maybe you could delve into a little bit about what is the MLS, the multi-listing service? Can you give us some details on how that's structured, how it's the same or different in different parts of the country? Yes, there's a misconception about the multiple list. They call it MLS, and I'm going to use that term from this point forward. Hopefully, everybody will sure. grasp. But the MLS is not a national platform owned by National Association of Realtors. Most of them are individually owned by either boards, local real estate associations of realtors, or they're owned by an individual broker or an investor who has said, I'm going to set up an MLS, and that's how it works. So you have about 667, I think was the last count I heard, 
MLSs, individual MLSs around the U.S. That includes Hawaii and Alaska. While Puerto Rico is not a state, it is a territory, it doesn't have an MLS at all. So you still have some of those areas where they don't even have an MLS. But the multiple list is set up where it's a database and you have to be a member of the local association, pay dues, and you have to pay usually quarterly costs to get the MLS. So not only do you have to pay realtor dues, you have to pay a dues to have access to the multiple list. And right now they're individual, like in Florida, it covers quite a bit of Southwest Florida. I can get Orlando, Sales, Tampa, my local area, but I can't get Fort Myers. I have to join another MLS to get Fort Myers information. So it's costly for the appraisers who service a large area. Believe it or not, the multiple list is the appraiser's best resource for sales data. And it's sorely missing a lot of information that appraisers need to value homes appropriately. A lot of the homes, or a lot of the MLSs have implemented what we call green fields. So those are data fields where they, if you have a HERS rating, you put your HERS rating in, and then the appraiser can go in and say, I want to see all the sales that have HERS ratings between 0 and 50 or whatever your number is. Well, then that we can pull up sales or listings by that search field. Well, if you have all the green fields implemented, but the realtors don't use them, they're no good to us at all. So what we see around the country is, yeah, a lot of people have turned on those green fields. And by the way, it doesn't cost them to turn on the green fields. There are only about 10 vendors that have written the 667 platforms around the U.S. So they've all done it sometime or the other. And the green fields template is already out there. All the local MLS has to do is tell their provider to turn on the green fields. That's how simple it is. Then you have to educate the realtors on what do these things mean? What's a HERS rating? Where do I put it? How do I explain it? And then what is a green certification? Where do I put it? How do I explain it? So the multiple list is our best resource. Now, the realtors can also attach the HERS rating as a certificate but I encourage them to take that first page which shows the HERS scale and what their rating is. A big arrow will point to it's a zero or it's a 20 or whatever the number is. Take that certificate, make it into a JPEG and put it into the photograph gallery of that listing. And the reason I say put it in the photograph gallery, buyers today are more picture oriented. So when they go to look at a house or look at a database, they're gonna look at the pictures before they read all the descriptions. So if they see that HERS rating in the photograph gallery, they're going to say, wait a minute, I didn't see one of those on the other houses. So this must mean something special. So then that will make them dive more into what does that HERS rating mean? Same thing with the green certification. I tell them, make it a JPEG, because I think most of the MLSs are set up where they can put 24 pictures in. Rarely does an agent put all 24 pictures of the subject property of the house that they've listed. So this is a great platform to put it. Then I tell them to attach the full report to the MLS and attach the AI completed green addendum. Then there's also a resource that will help with marketing and that's called appraised value and energy efficiency, getting it right. If you Google that title, appraised value and energy efficiency, getting it right, you'll come up with three different brochures. One is for realtors, one is for new home builders, and one is for retrofit contractors. So it takes them through the appraisal process and the lending, the mortgage loan process, and gives them their bill of rights, as Sandy Adamatis calls it. What can they do in the process? What should they provide? 
How do they prepare the borrower to go to a lender? How do you choose a lender? Then there's a sample letter that they should fill out. And Craig Foley even fills out that sample letter when he lists a home and he attaches it to the MLS so that if he actually is not the selling agent, somebody else is. Maybe that agent doesn't know how to talk to the lender. That sample letter they can pull right off and give it to the lender so the lender knows you need to hire an appraiser that has knowledge or competency in this property type. Very interesting. So I want to focus on that point. If you go, you said the term appraised value and energy efficiency, getting it right? That's correct. Is that the place where you'll find those three resources for the different types of constituents in this field? Yeah. One of the places you can find it is at BCAP. BCAP stands for Building Code Assistance Program. If you Google that name, all three of them are there together. Then you go into the search bar and put uh, praise value and energy efficiency, and all three of them will pop up. They're not copyrighted. Anybody can use them. They're free to download. One of the things you mentioned in the bio you sent is that you're often called the green queen. It sounds like you're more of a green unicorn <laughs> because there aren't a lot of you out there. I hope you don't mind that term. And it sounds like you, again, you want to get to the hills and shout from the hills what's going on. So what would you recommend? Let's look at uh, point of action for if there's a raider listening, a real estate agent or appraiser, a builder or a consumer. For those four groups, what would you recommend as one succinct point of action for each of these? Someone that's listening to this podcast right now. Learn as much as you can about energy efficiency and about the new building science. Attend some classes, read every article you can get your hands on. Education is important. And from my perspective in working with all those folks that you just mentioned, network. We can learn from each other, and that's what introduced me to a whole world of people is the ResNet group. I wish more realtors and appraisers would attend the ResNet conference, and ResNet does come to the Appraisal Institute's national conference. We have one coming up at the end of July, but it's a great place to learn more about building science and about marketing and about what questions to ask. It'll keep us out of trouble. The more we learn, the less liability we're going to have because it'll keep us from committing errors of omission. And there will be a link and information about the 2019 ResNet conference in the show notes from this podcast. If anyone's listening, you can stop and take a look at the notes and go to that link. You just mentioned something here, which you really need to take credit for, I think, from what I see. Didn't you create something called a green and energy efficient addendum or help create it? <laughs> yes. When I started doing these green homes, the 1004 appraisal form that lenders requires to use don't have the special features identified on here. So I have to write a lot of blah, blah, blah narrative. And then the underwriter, the lender's underwriter, wouldn't read it. So I knew that they were used to reading checkboxes. That's the way that the form is set up, a lot of checkboxes. So I decided I'd create this addendum to go with my reports that on energy efficient green homes. So I designed it and then took it to the Appraisal Institute and said, hey, why don't you guys get some people look at this and publish it? So they put it with the forms committee and that's how it got birth. And we recently updated it and the form number now is 820.05. It's a free download on the Appraisal Institute website. And we have had so much interest in that, especially in the last year. It's really gained popularity with the real estate industry. We mapped the wording, all the fields on it to the RESO dictionary so that if someone wanted to auto-populate, they had their database, they wanted to auto-populate the MLS using the information out of the, the addendum, it could happen because it would be set up, mapped 
to do that. You mentioned a term there, the RISA dictionary. What does that mean? RISA stands for Real Estate Industry Standard Organization. RISO is the one that certifies the MLS that they meet the standards set by National Association of Realtors and by RISO. They're a national organization. There's a guy named Jeremy Crawford who heads up RISO organization, and he is super intelligent and a super guy to talk with, always available to answer questions you might have about the green fields or about the organization. Well, we covered a lot of ground here today. What's your background? We talked a little bit about that sort of recent background, but What's sort of your career life arc that led you to this point? You must have had some kind of innate curiosity about buildings or the environment or how did you get here? Yeah, I did. Right out of business college, I went to work for a production builder. They weren't building energy efficient homes, but it was homes basically for the middle income in that particular market area. I was actually just a receptionist for the sales division and in the back of the office was the builder's group of folks. And more and more, I got pulled in to look at help the builder with this or that. And I started looking at blueprints and started reading specifications and then talking with buyers in the market. And I just really liked the idea of thinking that you could design something, put it on paper and then see it built and then go out. And sometimes I got to go out into the field and work, not actually throw a hammer, but just maybe go look at something with a buyer or something of that nature. And the builder and his brother said, you need to take a real estate class. We don't think you're going to be happy to stay in as a receptionist. So they funded me to go to take a class. And the instructor of that class happened to be the man I ended up marrying. An appraiser, an MAI designated appraiser with the Appraisal Institute. So eventually I left that builder, went to work for a retrofit contractor. So you can see the flow here. I went to work for a retrofit contractor and I learned a lot about retrofitting homes and a cost to do it and things that people were putting in homes. And then eventually my husband-to-be asked me to come to work for him as his office manager. And he had an appraisal business in town with about 13 people involved. And so then I went to work for him and he was really into energy efficiency and he had built 2,000 homes himself. So he had that building background. So he taught me a lot. He's quite a bit older than I am, so he's been retired for 25 years, but he is actually the wind beneath my wings or the hurricane under my wings. He's always pushing me to learn more (laughs) (laughs) and to be the best I can be. So he's really proud of what I've accomplished in learning and trying to help others learn as much as I have. So my goal is to train those behind me. As John O'Tooley always says, throw fertilizer over your shoulders because people coming behind you need to know what you know. Interesting. That's a great quote. I learned a lot here. I hope the listeners did too. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Oh, I think this podcast is great and I hope people do learn from it and go to my website, pull a resource, or if you have a question, I'd be glad to help you out with an answer if I can. Adamatis at hotmail.com. Well, thank you, Sandy, for coming on today and inspiring us, inspiring the listeners here to get involved. And I, I think one of your key things is networking. Talk about it. Talk about whether you're a raider, appraiser, a real estate agent, builder, consumer. You listen to this. Now you've been infected. You've got the germ. You've got to do something about it. Absolutely. Network, network. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. We hope you learned a couple things. I certainly did here as the host. There are a number of resources and links mentioned in the conversation. Those will also be included in the show notes, so you don't have to worry. You can just look there for information. I'd like to share with you a quote or thought for today, and that revolves around the topic of networking, which Sandy Adamatis does a great job of. 
This is by Lewis Howes. Effective networking isn't a result of luck. It requires hard work and persistence. Now, if anything, Sandy's been working very hard and persistent, as you might have learned by listening to this podcast. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you've heard here today or want to have a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter by looking for ResNetUS or at ResNetUS on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you back again for a future episode of the ResTalk podcast. Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.